0: ask me to talk
1: connection through conversation join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on don't ask me to talk now here's your host Stacy Heller
0: it's me it's Stacy hello everyone Quick reminder, if you can't listen live each week, then check out the Don't Ask Me to Talk podcast on Podcast One, Spotify, Apple, Google, basically wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, You can also text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 and you will be given details and um, I'm actually excited because my guest is one of the reasons why you're able to text that, which I'll explain more later. Um, You're also welcome to call in. The number is 425-373-5527. And you can find me through my website at stacyconnects.com. So, without further ado, hello to Eric.
1: Good afternoon.
0: I brought Eric today coasters because whenever I'm in here and I bring my Diet Coke, it tends to... Um, perspire—is that the right word? <laughs> sure. Condensation, right? Yes. And it leaves a ring, and it drives me crazy. And so um, I brought coasters because I have so many. And so now, this is becoming more and more like my studio living room. <laughs> <laughs> Next, there's going to be art on the walls, and maybe cat. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, my guest today is Harry Sumkange. And we met and connected as a result of BNI and the company that he owns, uh, Textiso. But I would say, and Harry, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I rarely am. Um, I think we really connected, though, because of the conversation that we had during that um, initial one-to-one. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, we like, you know, it was. It's the classic, when you're in a networking group, you know, you have these one-to-ones where it's, you know, okay, for 30 minutes I'll talk about me, for 30 minutes you talk about you, and you and I ended up talking for well over an hour, and just had so many different random conversations, and it was like, okay, I'd like this to continue on, and so now here we are. So, welcome.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and to... Uh continue our conversation. I guess we're time loaded now, so we won't be able to go on for days, but
0: I know. We'll
2: it's, see where that we'll see what happens.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I'll do my rant and ramble so that I can get that out of the way. Um so of course hello to mom and the other ladies of the Glop, to Lee and Diane. Um I actually called mom on the way over here and she always calls me on Tuesday mornings to wish me luck and Normally, I pick up. I didn't today. I was very busy watching a rom-com.
1: Buying coasters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Buying coasters, exactly. And um, and so I was telling her on the way here about what happened to me this morning. This story, I wake up at 6 o'clock this morning to a whole bunch of texts that I can't really even read any of them on air because they're so... Foul and so rude, um, basically saying like, I hate you and you know, um, we're in the cold and just unblock me and all of these things. And it's six o'clock in the morning. I'm not supposed to be awake for like another two, three hours. So I'm like, who is this? At which point I get a whole bunch more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I respond, still being quite polite, you definitely have the wrong number. To which I get a whole bunch more. <laughs> uh huh. So then I was like, whatever, and fell back asleep. And then at nine o'clock, it's like they know my sleep clock um, started again. And I'm like, okay, like this isn't cool or funny anymore. You know, like you definitely have the wrong number. And, you know, stop coming at me or I'm going to call the cops. I don't know what I'm going to do exactly, but I don't know. It's just the knee-jerk reaction, right? I thought about doing one of those, like, find the number things, except that all of those, when you go on the Internet and you say, who does this number belong to? Right. What you get is, are you trying to find out who your man's been texting? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm trying to figure out who's texting me, sending me these threatening messages.
1: You, you know you can just block them, right?
0: Well, okay, you sound like everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing too. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I know that. But it was kind of like I I get to a point where, as a woman, I'm concerned for whomever this person is trying to contact. Like there's a part of me that's like, this is like a certain kind of rage. So I'm telling mom this story and – she didn't say, you know, you can block them. What she did say is, well, if they really are trying to get in touch with you, they'll find another way. I'm like, uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and her response to that was, well, that's just the reality, you idiot. <laughs> so the empathy is palpable. I'm like, I'm gonna go in and so you check
1: these texts weren't from your mom, right? I,
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> You say that because the area code is from Pennsylvania.
1: Oh wow. Okay. It makes me
0: wonder. Right. Except Sorry. I don't think my mom could spell all those words. <laughs> so, ha. Anyway, it just kind of makes me laugh that, you know, I'm like, I'll be inside in a fetal position, like <laughs> my mom wasn't nice to me. No, my mom is my mom is she my mom. She calls
1: you every Tuesday to wish you luck.
0: I know. I know. I mean, what a nice gal. What a nice gal. Okay. She also calls me an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about her obsession with Rothy's and that I tweeted at them. And they sent her a pair of red Mary Janes. Now... They Wait, are not
1: for for closure's sake. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I need closure on this story. Oh, I blocked the caller. You blocked the caller. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Thank yes. You.
0: Yeah. See, for me, the story isn't the guy. The story is my mother's reaction to the guy. Um, but yes, I blocked the caller. Good idea. Yeah, I thought so too. After everyone else thought of it, but me, because <laughs> I was all caught up in the drama. Come on.
1: Well, it's... you were rudely awakened out of a sleep too. Yes. So
0: I'll yeah. show you during a break. Probably the, groggy. The text. Very groggy. Yeah. Very groggy. Um, so anyway, mom's obsession with Rothy's, I tweeted at them because that's how you get people's attention these days. So perhaps this person that's trying to get me should just tweet at me. It would be easier. Um, and they responded and privately and said, give us your mom's address. We're going to send her a surprise. And they sent her red Mary Janes. Now, so incredibly nice. They look so cute on her. However, they missed the point. They need the red loafers. However, incredibly generous, unnecessary, and I did send them a bunch of pictures of mom dancing in her Rothy's with Charlie. So that may make the Rothy's like circulate around the office. So that's good. See, I'm just making people happy. All right. Next important thing in my life. I also shouted out to Mark Rober. Um, He is the guy on YouTube. He has his own channel. He's like a former NASA engineer or something. He's got his own channel. He does like the squirrel obstacle course, and he does the glitter bombs when people steal packages. Um, So now he's teamed up with Mr. Beast, who is another YouTube influencer who gives away copious amounts of money. And they have created something called Hashtag Team Yes, hashtag is actually part of the name. And they launched this like three or four days ago, and they're trying to raise $30 million before the end of 2021. They've already raised over $10 million in that three or four days. So again, using the power of Twitter, like I tweeted at them, okay, I'm going to donate, but could you please work on forest fires and climate change next? Please and thank you. So... um If you have any desire to have some trash taken out of the ocean, you can go to TeamSeas.org and they'll ask for your name and you can put in an optional team name. You could, of course, put Team D-A-M-T-T, you know, so I can get his attention so that we can work on the whole forest fire thing. You see where I'm going with this, don't you, Eric? Yes. (laughs) Yes. My obsession with forest fires. Okay. Okay. My last thing that I did that uh, proves my mother right, which is that I'm an idiot, is I was going through Instagram and got sucked in by this product called Wonderskin. Now, if Paris Hilton says it's a good product, I mean, that's hot, right? So it's this lip stuff that you exfoliate your lips and then you put this purple mask on your lips and then you spray this mist and apparently the purple mask just peels right off and your lips are tinted for the rest of the day. Aww. So, right, like, that seems like a really great idea. Here's how it really went, though, like, for reals. So, first, I had to exfoliate the the bejesus out of my lips to the point where they are, like, red and raw and flaky. So, ow, that hurt.
1: So the color is really just blood coming out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, see, (laughs) you you understand me, and it's permanent. (laughs) It's exactly like basically, I I absolutely have bruised and battered lips. So then you apply on this purple mask, and they said, "Oh, hey, it may tingle." I'm like, um, because you basically just rubbed your lip skin like to the point that it was when you were born, like. Every layer of skin ever has come off. Um, and that tingle that you're feeling, that's called discomfort. And then you mist your lips ever so slightly and you watch the color seep into the fine lines around your lips. Oh, wait, you're not 51 using this product? <laughs> Maybe you don't have that same problem. Good for you, kids. Um Then you're supposed to just peel off the mask. Just one simple little whoop. Well, mine came off in like 15 easy little pieces. Uh, Very stringy. One got caught on my teeth. I think the inside of my lips are now also dyed. Um, But hey, my lips.
1: Yes, very red. (laughs) (laughs) You might as well punch yourself in the face to get plumper, fuller lips.
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly. This in, fact, in fact,
1: copyright. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. I'm going to be
1: marketing that next week. So. We,
0: I mean, <laughs> it's a thing. It's so ridiculous. I'm like, oh, this is why I don't order things from Instagram or anywhere else. Like people talk about all the TikTok hacks and all the different things they try. And I'm like, I'm not getting on TikTok. I do not need another distraction. And I... I will say that this is probably the second thing that I've ever bought as a result of Instagram, and both of them are a fail. So here you go. I am indeed an idiot. Um okay, last, my stayism. So this seems like a good stayism with Harry on the show today. The phases of life I'm gonna argue are sustenance because in the beginning, you are. Absorbing, you need food to grow. You're absorbing information. Um, you know all the skills to sustain, right? Then you go into safety, where you just want to be safe. Be in the places where you're safe. You either wanna um, you make decisions in order to be safe. Um, you maybe succumb to peer pressure to be safe. Um, then maybe you switch to success, and seeing how you can do in life. And then lastly maybe significance. You want to have some kind of significance. Now, this is a work in progress, this whole phases of life thing. Um, But I thought it's an interesting thing to think about how your life evolves from chapter to chapter. So maybe Harry and I will talk about that. We'll see. Um, All right. I think that's everything. Eric, anything to add?
1: Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Except you're not an idiot. I mean everybody uh, at some point falls for some questionable you know device or uh, item that you know it over advertises or overpromises from what it delivers. so
0: well, don't feel bad. Thank you. I appreciate We've all been that there. and I just hope that this lip cover cover comes off <laughs> before <laughs> I die. <laughs>
1: Hey, if it's permanent, you never have to go through <laughs> it again. So uh,
0: right, I'm like, well, all right, that's not maybe so bad. I don't know if it's my color, and you have to actually put it on to see if it's your color. So that's weird. But anyway, um, well, thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. See, mom, I'm not an idiot. Um, <laughs> all right, let's take a break, and then when we come back, I will have a fabulous conversation with Harry. I just know it. Uh, keep listening to "Don't Ask Me to Talk." We'll be right back. Dun dun dun
1: Are you stuck in a creative straight jacket going crazy trying to find a different way out exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant popcorn and noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses, whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services or which direction to consider next popcorn and noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions served daily.
0: Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive, it's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects. It's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to stacyconnects.com.
1: Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. My guest is Harry Simkange, and um, we were during the break talking about the crazy tech story that I told and Harry had some great advice about contacting my carrier and um, I can always share that with them if I really have concerns I you know I didn't realize that I was somebody that's attracted to drama like I'm apparently the person that like runs towards the fire and not away from it so that's an interesting um self-realization oh whatever um so hey Harry how are you
2: I'm great, thanks. Yeah? That was definitely an interesting story. Um, uh, I, I, as, as we were talking before, um, I think we've all had those situations where we're, we're sort of like, you get that text message and you're like, do I know you? <laughs> like, right. Who are you? You Sometimes you exchange a few messages before you figure out like that you have no idea who the person is and they have no idea who you are. So kind of interesting
0: right and in this case my saying like my think you have the wrong number was just escalating this person Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and so i think that's also what kind of created that fear because it was like oh geez like i'm just making things worse right now um and a couple weeks ago i had gotten text messages from um a kid who was um clearly being hazed to get into a fraternity but like not like, in a bad way. Um, It's obviously part of the process. And he had to send me a wake-up text every morning. And so, you know, I'm like, wow, this is taking a turn. Um, But it was not the same number, obviously. And uh, it was just, it was crazy. So anyway, I mentioned at the top of the show that um, the technology, the app, the service that I use for people to connect with me um, by texting D-A-M-T-T to 55678 is as a result of uh, Textiso. And that is actually you. That's me. That's you. But that's only a part of you. So uh, mom was asking about you before the show started. And she said, who's your guest? And I said, he has so many like hyphenates, you know, between business owner, entrepreneur, um, author, um, you know, like it goes on and on and on. So where do you want to start? What part of your story do you want to tell?
2: Um, well, I'll start at the beginning, I guess, cause it's kind of an interesting, um, you know, tale and it kind of, uh, speaks to the first conversation that we had. So I, I was born in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, my, my uh, father at the time was um, involved in the uh, movement to um, overthrow the white minority government there. Um, so for those of you who know nothing about Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe used to be Rhodesia. Mm-hmm. It was um, uh, a government there much like South Africa used to be. <clears throat> and so uh, we were, my family was involved in the politics of the time. We were kicked out of the country, um, you know, everything confiscated and uh, we came to the U.S. because my mother was an American and, um, you know, both my parents essentially were academics. And so we ended up kind of following the civil rights movement from Mississippi to Alabama and then Tennessee and eventually in Boston, where I kind of, you um, lived from fourth grade to, through college, and so, um, you know, we, we've kind of had a, an eclectic type of life, and um, uh, my father was also a writer, which is where I think I kind of picked up my um, habit from.
0: Is that what and, he taught in school, or, you know, you said he's an, he was an, um is he still alive? I'm sorry.
2: No, so, sorry, he, di- he died um, okay. in, the, in the 80s, so over 30 years ago, okay. but...
0: It's still a loss, so I'm sorry. Um, so what did he actually, what did he teach?
2: He was an African historian. Oh. And so he had a, um, several like, award-winning books that he wrote on Africa. Uh, and so, you know, it was a kind of an odd thing because, so I learned African history because my father taught it. And so we kind of had that at home. And, you know, I never got it in school. No, of course not. Of course. And um, n- nor did I get actually anything on Asian history. So when I when I went to university, I actually became a Chinese history major because I was just, I took this sort of intro Chinese history course and I was just fascinated. And I was like, how is it that I didn't know any of this? Um, and, you know, one course kind of followed another. And then you start taking history of Japan because it's, Sort of a color, color, corollary, and Korea. And so, you know, I ended up going to graduate school in that, and, um, and then doing an international affairs degree after that. So, um, interesting. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, like, um, I guess in the old days they, they used to call them polymaths, but like now we call them jack of all trades and masters of none, which is probably even closer to accurate.
0: How about a Renaissance man? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think I shared with you um, when we first started chatting. So I went to Skidmore for a couple of years and fancied myself an art history major. And um, the class that I absolutely adored the most out of all the classes that I took at Skidmore was a class on African art. And it it really dove so much into because art reflects, obviously, the times, the culture, um, you know, the outside influences, uh, the timing, et cetera, et cetera. I just loved learning so much about, you know, what was part of different cultures in and around Africa and, you know, what outside influences um, there were and how that impacted. And um, it was just it was It is such a rich, dense culture, and it's all different. People just sort of lump all of these different countries within Africa like that it's all the same. And it's like, no, not really. (laughs) They're different places. Yeah, it's,
2: you know, and, and, you know, I think, um, you know, I had the same experience um, with learning about Asia because I, you know, literally it just was part of the world that I'd never been taught anything about. And so I just, you know, was fascinated at the civilization that was that old and that rich, you know, and how is it that, <laughs> you know, I somehow in this country, right, like learn nothing about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's something that, you know, today in this day and age, we see this desire almost not to want to learn about other people, places and things. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, this kind of reticence. And I, I honestly, I just don't understand it. Like the the more I've learned about places of the world that I didn't know anything about, like the more kind of respectful and interested and, um, you know, engaged you are about those um, parts. And You know, not all of it's fun, not all of it's happy news to, to learn. Right. But it's just important to get context.
0: Absolutely. It's something that uh, I talk about this with um, my friend um, J.D. Winnegan, who has a show. Um, he's a Ph.D. historian um, who specializes in World War II, And so, you know, we talk about Nazi Germany. Right. And here's a country that really has owned up in many ways. You know, they're still um, trying to different war criminals that are in their 90s and, you know, still holding people accountable, still returning art to the rightful owner if they find it, you know, turning, um, turning these facilities, these camps into, you know, memorials to remember. And it's a country that has owned up to its ugly past. And, you know, then you talk about um, what we were, talking about this in relation to is um, slavery within our own country and that, you know, we don't seem to own up to it in the same way. You know, um, like in some ways you could argue like plantations in the South, right? Well, slaves were being kept at these plantations just because the accommodations were nicer for the owners. They were not so great for the slaves. And, And so, you know, we just... Nobody wants to, in in most countries, own up to their part of a messy history.
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty much a universal thing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: everyone wants to gloss over the, you know, the difficult bits. But I think as, you know, as human beings, it's like um, being cognizant of the difficult bits is like, what makes us what allows us to learn from certain things and not repeat those mistakes. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I've kind of been um, reading lately is, you know, the decline and fall of the Roman empire. And, you know, some of it echoes from that to where we are today are um, really startling. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, um, Livy, the great historian at the time had said, you know, um, One of the reasons he loved history was that you could go back and you could see the blueprint of other people's mistakes, and not and not repeat them. And I think it's a lesson that um, you know the great societies learn is that sometimes you have to take it on the chin. You have to go and look at yourself and be realistic about like where you are. And I think you know um, you know some countries. You know, today, just um, you know, as far as their national culture, just don't want to don't want to open certain doors, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and I think it's I think it's um it's a challenge because people, you know, no one here today, at least you know, from my perspective, like no one here today who is alive today is responsible for what happened in 1860 or 1619 or or anything like that right like Mm -hmm. no one here was alive when that happened no one here made those decisions for that to happen but for us to try to deny um the reality of what went on i think it's just um you know just kind of you know foolish and in a sense really downright childish like why would you not want to understand you know like what really happened um and, you know, I, I try to do that just not only in terms of our own history, but like, you know, as many places in the world that I don't know something about, which is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But that's why it's so fascinating for me to read, you know, things like um, that. And to, you know, when I was younger, I used to like to travel a lot. And, you know, th- that was in the day when, you know, when we were 10 years old or our parents would put us on a plane and we'd go down by ourselves to, to visit our our grandparents in Mississippi and, you know, at 14, you know, I could take a flight to Europe and just, you know, wander around London for, for weeks. Um, and, you know, when, when you, when you have a sense of like people's culture and history, um, it, it's, you, you, develop, I think a much deeper understanding of like why they say certain things, why they act the way they act. And you mm-hmm. just, become more tolerant I think in general.
0: Um well and if you, and if you travel with, you know, I it it seems like what you're talking about is when we're younger and, you know, the little kid that asks the question um or makes the comment like, why are you fat? And, you know, the parent of yeah. course is like, oh my gosh, like do not say that, you know, or whatever it is, right? There's that The kid's not trying to be rude, really. The kid is, like, telling it like it is. And it's like, well, you know what, kid? Because I ate all your Halloween candy. That's why. Um, And, (laughs) you know, but there's a youthful curiosity. And obviously I'm, you know, giving a, a silly example. However, when you're young and you can travel and you can go to these places and you're not worried about staying in the nicest place or you can be curious and ask questions, you're not intimidated by you know, what you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to go. You're just following your gut and your curiosity. It's something that I don't know what happens to it in terms of literal travel and even like um, sort of educational or mind travel, like armchair travel about other countries or other times or whatever it is. It's like we become um, very comfortable in like where we are in the present, literally and figuratively.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that like, um, you know, I, I find like, you know, my reading list now is in subjects that, you know, frankly, you know, they were the things that I avoided when I was in high school, right? <laughs> like chemistry and, you know, mathematics and, you um, you know, kind of philosophy and a lot of natural science, actually. And and now those are the subjects I find the most fascinating. Um, you know, part of it is just my own ignorance, right? Because I didn't, right, I, those are not subjects that I went deep at all in, right? Other mm-hmm. than I need, I need to pass these classes to get out of high school and these to get out of, you know, college, right? With a science requirement. Right. But, you know, n- now there are things that, like, just... Um, fascinate me. And I say to myself, wow, you know, if I had a chance to kind of go back to um, high school, well, I wouldn't go back to high school, forget that. Uh, (laughs) If I had a chance to go back to college, you know, I would like, you know, probably just be studying more science oriented things, natural scientists, science, not necessarily because I want to like go into that kind of field, but just, again, it's, it's an area that I don't, I I know really little about. and I also feel like, and I feel pretty strongly that one of the challenges we have as a society now is that we, we tend to value certain things like their are outcomes to me rather than processes of of um, intentional um, action. So we value wealth, we value um, people who own companies, we value um, that kind of thing. And we, we don't ask ourselves, like, you know, if, if that's an outcome of a process that's good for society, then there's a benefit there. Right. But, you know, not, not all wealth. I mean, I can become wealthy being an arms merchant. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's a net benefit to society, right? And I look at some of the people who come out and found um, companies today, and I say, you know, when, when you talk about AI and things like that, a coder today is like an alchemist of, you know, centuries ago. Mm-hmm. We're asking these people to solve these fundamental questions that we as like civilizations haven't solved. You know, when, when, you know, I think Hariri gives a great example of when, you know, Tesla, you know, has to create a car that can drive itself. It's got to make all this deci- these decisions that car does right. about, should I run over a child you know, should I stop and get rear-ended and let my passengers die?
0: Right. Well, like you know, do you break for the squirrel or do you just go? Right. Right.
2: It it has to make that trade-off. Right. Like that's a difficult trade-off that you and I. I mean, every day. Right. We, we that algorithm changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we have a, you know, we believe we have a mind and a consciousness. Right. And we 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 make those decisions all the time, but. You know, AI doesn't run like that. It's an intelligence, but as far as we know, it's an intelligence without a mind. And so it's going to make decisions that we don't won't necessarily understand how it came to that because it's not making it from, from a human perspective. So how do we deal with that? Right. You know, like th- those are all, I mean, I, I look at Facebook and I say, you know, Zuckerberg you should have gone to college and taken some philosophy courses and then you would have understood that like technology is not always benevolent right like, right people don't always uh, you know behave as you think they're going to behave and I think if, if you know some of our technology leaders actually had the moral um, uh, depth to Undertake some of these problems with a little bit more nuance, mm-hmm. we'd have better solutions than we do.
0: Absolutely, I mean, you know, it's it's why I'm I was, you know, interested in the whole hashtag Team C's thing, right? So you've got these influencers, these people who have found a way to incorporate and manipulate the internet um, with all of these. Followers And they have tremendous intelligence, and you know they've been able to herd and amass I think um, they have collectively like more followers than like the White House the u n and something else and Kanye West I think combined, although I don't think there's a lot of people following Kanye much i don't know maybe um, and the point being that they have all of these people, and so what you're saying is to use that power for good and that's what they're doing. You know, they're ultimately taking this machine that is like, you know, AI of sorts and is pulling trash from the ocean. And, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to take the money that we have, we're going to take the followers that we have, we're going to take technology, and we're going to solve a problem in the world that is going to make a difference.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think that that it's, I mean, for me, I, I just... I, you know, I, I, I just, I, I wish we would be more intentional about some of the actions that we take mm-hmm. um, and and at least more learned about some of the actions that we take so that we, we don't do things blindly and then act surprised when it doesn't turn out how we expect it to, right? I mean, climate change is a big, you know, we've known about this for, you know, like 50, 60 years right? And just decided that we weren't going to do anything about it, right? You know, so at some point, you know, the glass becomes full, and it starts to spill over. And, you know, you have to pay for for what you've done. And I think that, you know, we as um, human civilization are rapidly getting to the point where, you know, are we willing to take the chance that it's just going to turn out in our favor? Because we've been around for you know, a couple of million years and things have been
0: okay. Right. We've always been one step ahead and, you know, like, uh, but now what's happening is it's um, these these problems that we have wrought in the world, they're knocking on our doors. Um, you know, it's it's impacting daily lives far more than anyone could have thought. And it's something that went on the back burner because it's like, well, that's not going to be a problem during my lifetime. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and the cynic in me says that, like, you know, the solution shouldn't be that we find a way for the billionaires of the world to get off the planet, right, with SpaceX, right, <laughs> and things like that, when, you know, and, 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 you know, they'll go live on the moon when the rest of the world goes to, you know, the dogs, right? right so, right. Um, you know, to me, that's not a, that, that's a suboptimal outcome. Right, but it's it's the kind of outcome we're headed for if we don't um, start to face up to the realities of what we know. Um, you know, so it's it's just interesting. I think we have a lot of challenges in this um, century, and I think um, we as a nation needs to need to stop believing that we, because we've been around a couple of hundred years, that we we somehow have a right to continue on forever. Right, as,
0: right. As without
2: number one, I mean, nobody's done that. You, you, you look at there's certain civilizations around the world who've been around for thousands of years, right? Egypt, you know, China, um, you know, other civilizations like that, right? I mean, America's been around for a couple of hundred, right? It's like let's not be a shooting star,
0: right? Right. Well, and I was reading something the other day, and I know I'm going to get the a comparison wrong but I want to say that like there's a university in England that's been around like as long as or longer maybe than like the Aztec Empire or something like we have no as a country we have no perception of longevity <laughs> and it's like it's a couple hundred years we're like a whippersnapper that has all of these ideas like well I'm just going to come in and I'm going to make all kinds of changes and it's going to be great and you know it's that's Great. However, there's there's more context and never before in my life have I come to appreciate the the phrase that Lynn Gardham, my sophomore year history teacher, wrote on the chalkboard. That's right, kids. There were chalkboards back then. And it said in times of economic and political uncertainty, radical groups of both left and right tend to flourish. And that was for European history. And now here we are in America, and the same sentiment is true.
2: Yep. Um, 100% agree. Um, so here's another interesting factoid that I've learned from reading the collective works of William James. You know why they even had chalkboards around why? in our day? Because one of the things that they had discovered was that. Um, People learn, the brain learns through different mechanisms. And so part of the reasons they wanted pe- people to write on the chalkboard is that was another way of memorizing words and learning words, the actual physical movement Ooh. of you, you know, having to write over and over and over again. Like that's why they made us do it.
0: And right. So that's, um, That actually tracks, as an ADHD person, um, if I engage multiple senses or multiple Mm. actions then it helps me remember things interesting all right let's take a really quick break and then when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with harry and i'm going to ask you about your mom i don't want to overlook your mom by the way so keep listening we'll be right back with don't ask me to talk
1: But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for this show is all about you. A show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Stacey Heller is many things. Entertaining, yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolfe, she's a fixer. Who gets things done with style, practical, like Dr. Ruth? Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a side who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects It's her superpower. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk, eleven fifty.
0: Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. I am chatting with Harry Sim. Oh wait, some conge. See, I'm going to get it. Uh, We were. I know I am getting close. I'm going to keep trying. I. I love the rhythm that is actually, that's in your name. Um, it's like, it's a beautiful name. I always, it's like, I try to overdo it though, to get it right. So it's, you just have to like, let it roll.
2: Well, thank you. You know, when I, when I, whenever I was in Germany, they actually say it almost, you know, correct it correctly because of the pronunciations close to German. They, you know, say some get right. Right. But I actually, my favorite is when I'm uh, in France because uh, they call me Ari Samkange, oh. which just sounds so like suave bola. So.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's like well, everything sounds you know yeah, fabulous yeah. there as they're potentially <laughs> cursing you out. But um, okay, so before the break, I mentioned that um, you know your father involved in the Zimbabwe um, political scene, an academic, a writer, a uh, historian. And I just want to make sure that we give a nod to your mom because obviously she's part of the equation as well. So you mentioned that she was also in academia. What did she do?
2: Yes. So she, she, you know, she's, she was a very interesting person. Um, she, um, uh, was one of the people who they had looked at to. Um, I think she 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 graduated college. I think at sixteen, and the she grew up in um, Jackson, Mississippi. <clears throat> and the last thing the state of Mississippi wanted was for her to try to go to the University of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So, so they paid for her to go out of state, uh, and so she she did her. Undergraduate degree um, uh, out of state, and then she did her PhD at Indiana University, which is where she met um, my father. And uh, when when we uh, came back to America, she also she taught uh, psychology, Um, and so. uh, and then when, we, when my parents went back to Zimbabwe in uh, mid-70s during the, you know, when when Rhodesia became Zimbabwe, Rhodesia, and my father was in parliament then, mm-hmm. um, my mother, they, they moved back. And then when the government changed, my mother um, headed the psychological services in um, Zimbabwe. So, so she was in the Ministry of Education and was responsible for you know, trying now to convert this, a school system that essentially functioned to serve only a small uh, percentage of the population. So now, you know, everybody was going to get a chance to go to school, right? And so, you know, things that we take for granted here, like, you know, our psychological services and, you know, support for kids with learning difficulties and uh, learning issues, you know, she had to kind of figure out how do I now take you know, whatever money we have and, and, you know, create like a, you know, a a strong delivery program that's Mm going to serve everyone. So she, she did that for about 20 years and, you know, then retired and, um, you know, was living in Zimbabwe. Um, uh, you know, once they moved back in the seventies, she stayed there and, um, uh, she continued to live there, and, um, you know, she just passed away this past July,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, just shy of her 89th birthday.
0: Wow. But,
2: you know, she lived a really um, full life and, uh, you know, definitely one of the um, strong pillars of support in mine.
0: I bet she never called you an idiot.
2: Oh, she called me things that I can't <laughs> say. On her. Darn it. Okay. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, parents are like that. I, when I, I, I have a couple of middle names, and when, when I heard all of them, I knew that I was in, in, in trouble. Um, <laughs> my friends would always laugh whenever they met her, because they were like, yeah, she's one of the few people who can, like, just shut you up. Uh-huh. And I'm like, see, this is why I am the way I am, because of my house. As the youngest one. I never got a word in edgewise.
0: So. Yeah, well, well, I, I totally get that. So it's interesting for you. I mean, you have this legacy of curiosity, uh, learning and actually pursuing that and following through and that psychology piece and writing and um, multicultural. So how do you find that, that is, you know, playing out for you? Because I know that you don't consider that a burden. Um, you consider that such a gift. And so what have you done with, you know, this, this gift of both the influences and of just who you are by nature?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, like, it's just, for me, it's a natural thing. I've always been that way. You know, like, my, um, you know, my wife is Asian American. Um, we've been married over 30 years now. And so, you know.
0: Congratulations.
2: Well, thank you. Um, we have two, you know, what we call Blasian boys. Um, <laughs> you know, one of them, uh, you know, uh, they both. Uh, one lives in D.C., the other's in Chicago. And what, what? My oldest one, I call like my Spock. He's very kind of rational um, and uh, um, logical. And my my youngest one is, you know, kind of more like me. He's a little bit you know like the opposite but you know it's 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 interesting because again you know for them it's like they're they're part of what america is right like mm-hmm. they're part you know african american and part asian american and you know so it's always interesting when we have our family you know get togethers with my family or my wife's family right it's just one huge you know melting pot of all sorts of people but for the for us that's actually great because it just is like we feel like this is increasingly what America is like yeah and you know once once you once you're part of a blended family like that it's just you know your your eyes are open to different things and you just you participate in different cultures in a different way and you know, a a way that doesn't feel like strange. It just feels familiar. And so.
0: Right. It goes uh, back to my whole thing about, um, and you know, I may have mentioned it to you when we first chatted that I have this thing about, you know, I remember growing up and it was like, America's a melting pot. America's a melting pot. And I'm like, okay, I have melted enough chocolate in my life as a, uh, let's call it a baker in recovery. (laughs) Um, doesn't do it anymore but you know you put a bunch of things in a pot together and they, they just melt unless you stir them up unless you mix them together and you know it, it doesn't take away from the individual chocolates or whatever you're melting it just enhances the other thing and so it's like you gotta stir things up you know it's great that we're a melting pot but what you're talking about exactly with your family is that mixing it up and it doesn't mean that the, the individual components aren't there and making up this new thing. It's just like, oh, hey, this is cool and you've got that. And, hey, this is interesting and asking those questions and incorporating it all into your tradition.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, it, like doing that with respect, right? That's what it gives you. It just gives you that respect because you learn more about other cultures and other people's experiences, right? Um, and and it just informs you that way. You know, I, I recently did that, you know, genetics test thing, because I thought it would be a funny thing to do, actually more for my kids than for me. Um, and, you know, it's just interesting. So I I when I look at the site and go and see every day, it's like I, I see, Oh, there's ten more people who are like related to you, uh-huh. right? And they're and they're in places like Australia, New Zealand, like the UK, just like you know. The, so the thing that I really uh, becomes clear if you ever do one of those tests is that
0: I did one. Like,
2: this idea that we are like somehow like pure whatever is just nonsense, right? We're all like pieces of each other. That's the reality of what it is.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's, I love that. Like, I have loved finding out, like, what am I made up of? Like, where do I come from? Um, You know, who am I? And, um, you know, it's, it's just so fascinating. And I love when you can see on the map, like, all the different places that, you know, there's traces of you. And, you know... I wish that there was more. I am like ninety nine point eight percent European, however, that said, little bits of um little bits of me are everywhere,
2: yeah, and so that's like to me that's what's the the you know um, interesting part so for me, it's like you know we we're, we're a little bit different we're about seventy percent African right but then my mother's side um she has a much more varied you know genetic makeup having been born in the US right than yep. than you know our African side necessarily does although it's that that side too is more interesting than I would have thought and That's then
0: cool.
2: and then you know I want my sons to do it though because you know they'll bring their mother's side in right we'll get the whole Asian map
0: there you go I love <laughs> it I know, love I it like
2: that way <laughs> right so I'm really curious as what that what what that would look like.
0: Well, and it's another way to make the world um, come to your doorstep and have that respect. So we have like, of course, like 40 seconds here. Is there anything that you want to share with folks? Um, You know, books that you've written that you want to share, any place you want to send them? I already am promoting Textiso all the time. Um, You don't have to promote a darn thing. You You can just be hairy.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I had written a bunch of romance uh, adventure stories under the pen name of Samantha Kay, and I'm going to, I have been reworking them and I'm going to reissue them under my own name. So if you're into kind of historical romance of like, you know, 18th century France, uh, you know give it a
0: look I love it thank you so much for being my guest today Harry I just I really am wild about Harry so thank you for coming on the show Um, thanks of course to Eric and next week Mark's one year that I've been doing Don't Ask Me To Talk so my first guest will be my next guest Stacey Harris thanks everyone for listening